does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. This morning on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. Yeah, thanks for waking up with us. Young Elijah producing today, and uh, he's been talking how tired he is. How do you guys do this every morning? That's because we're radio vets. That's what we do. Welcome in. Uh, it is the wake-up call right here on The Fan in Indianapolis, and we're broadcasting live from the drivehubler.com studios. We got you for the next three hours. He's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney. Elijah, is it Robertson or Roberson? I already forgot. It is Robertson. Okay, Robertson. I, I, learned, your last name. I learned your last name three minutes ago. So, uh, good morning to everybody. 239-1070. Uh, obviously, we'll be talking Colts and Jags today. Greg Rakestraw going to join us at 8 o'clock. Matt Taylor coming up at 9 o'clock. Uh, we'll give you our thoughts, our predictions, our crappy predictions on what's going to happen with the Colts. Maybe a Sweeney six-pack. I got to get a couple things off my chest. We'll do that uh, as we go today. A good morning to Kevin Bowen, who, Elijah, he has not given up. He is not given up on the, the the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. He is draped head to toe. He looks like Lou Holtz's nephew right now. He's ready to go. Look at that. He's ready to go on him Friday. It's the nicest thing you've yeah. ever said to me. Thank you. I will take that on this Friday. It's a big one tomorrow night in South Bend. You have a busy weekend. You have a big game on Sunday, a big game on Saturday. Yeah, Sunday is huge. Again, I've tried to emphasize this throughout the week, Andy. When you talk week six in the NFL, this is a out as big as it gets and certainly anytime you lose the first game of a two-game series against the team in Jacksonville that I think we all consider the AFC South favorite it matters to the Colts but honestly if you look at this from both sides of it uh, a Colts win would put them in the driver's seat to get the tiebreaker if it's going to matter down the road to the Jacksonville so uh, big one big one is the Jags return from London after two in a row and the Colts obviously try to end quite the streak down there of not winning since 2014. Yeah, Elijah's starting his day at 6 o'clock or whenever he did. Probably most college kids usually I mean, end the night around that the, hour. The horror. You know? He was like, how, how do you do this? I'm like, it's early. It's not that early. It's still 7 o'clock. I know, for, it's not that bad. For a second, like he acted like we had jobs that mattered. <laughs> yeah. So I appreciate that, Elijah. Yeah. We're just talking Colts and Jags, okay? Here on this Friday morning. Mark Dykton's still a little bit under the weather. So Elijah... Filling in on this Friday, uh, as Andy said, Greg Rakestraw at 8. I am curious, a little Mother Nature, the final night here of regular season high school football. If I'm not mistaken, I think I saw Ben Davis uh, bump up their kickoff oh, okay. time a little bit. I don't, little rain tonight? Yeah, yeah. and I think seven o'clock. I would or assume so. a little bit more storms than rain. I mean, you know, if it's raining, I, I would think you'd still try to keep it in that 7 o'clock slot. So we'll talk with Greg Rakestraw. Uh, coming up here at the top of the 8 o'clock hour, our game tonight is HSC and Brownsburg, an outstanding matchup there to, uh, again, end the regular season before we get the playoffs underway. And Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, coming up at 9 o'clock. Uh, two thoughts on last night. Uh, <laughs> Cinderella's are alive and well in Major League Baseball. 
and Vegas knows all. The final line was 10 and a half, correct? <laughs> oh, in baseball, yeah. I thought you were going to the vomit-worthy, boring well, game yeah, that I, we saw yeah, in the NFL. Yeah, the final line was 10 and a half, right? Oh, Chiefs, oh Chiefs 10 Broncos? and a half, yeah. That's what, I, thought, I think it got it to 11. Oh, you mean the, okay, gotcha, yes. Yeah, it was 10 and a half, yeah, it's Vegas, yeah. And Harrison Bucker makes it from 50-something. No, I think make, it was 60 yards, wasn't it? Uh, the one in the first half? Well, yeah. I but, fell asleep early fourth quarter like everyone else in America, including Al Michaels. He had one at the end of the game to push it to 19 to 8 that was from 50 something yards so literally if you were sweating it out on either side of it you had to stay up till the end for that one uh 52 yarder from Harrison Bucker with 155 to go makes the final score 19 to 8 so the Chiefs cover by a half point. <laughs> oh, well speaking of covering did you see West Virginia and Houston West Virginia I think was minus That's one of the wilder was, was minus three in Houston hit a uh, Dana Holgerson uh Hal Mary to to win the game just I I just and we have the Steve Smith sound that I want to play I don't know did you hear that him getting in a back and forth with Jerry Judy before the game I did see that and um for how much Jerry Judy reacted pregame he did absolutely nothing well, he game. hasn't done anything. That offense hasn't done anything. I was going to ask Three you. Three catches for 14 yards. I was probably just Judy. going to ask you during a check down if you would want to see the Colts use some sort of a draft pick to go get a guy like Jerry Judy, who is underperformed, but, you know, was thought of as a really good player at some point. But that, it is it is charming to watch other fan bases go through uh, what Colts fans have went through. And if you're a fan of a, of a team that's crappy right now, uh, man, those Broncos are bad. <laughs> man, they are bad bad. They're awful. They are so yeah. bad. Oh my goodness. I mean, what did he have? Russell Wilson had like 57 yards going into the fourth quarter of passing yards. It, I mean, it, they are bad. Their defense finally showed up last night to keep them somewhat in it. Probably more in it from a Vegas line standpoint than anything. I don't think I watched that game and thought to myself, oh man, the Broncos yeah, they, they got might, a chance. Yeah, they might actually win this. That's 16 in a row they have lost in a row, which to, is to their a, rival. Like, imagine if you're the Colts and we talked about the Titans yesterday. You lost, uh, or you know, last Last week, you lost five straight to the Titans, and you were ready to pull your hair out, okay? That's why you needed We Grow uh, Hair Indy, right? It's, sure. It's because of that. And and they've lost 16 straight times. 16. It's unbelievable. They stink. Sean Payton stinks. And, I, you know, Russell Wilson is the worst contract in the history of the NFL. Dak Prescott's a bad contract. Daniel Jones is a bad contract. But, like, you can get out of the Daniel Jones contract, you can't get out of Russell Wilson, brother. <laughs> Dead money's like forty million. Do they have a first round pick coming up? I don't think they do. No. I was trying to think back I to don't the trade think, with Seattle. Yeah. Of I like, don't think they do. You know, will they be in Caleb Williams, Ooh. Drake May sweepstakes for Sean Payton and that? So yeah, it was clunker last night on Ooh. Thursday night football Ooh. to say the least. Again, the Atlanta Braves they bow out. So if you look at the final four in Major League Baseball, 3-1 was the final last night. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Phillies over the Braves. I, I, I find it odd to call it like Cinderella's, but that's what it is. Jeff Passan had an incredible note last night once the final out uh, was made of the final four teams left. So you've got Rangers, 
Astros, Diamondbacks, and Phillies. Their collection of wins, I think it's like 350-something hmm. over the course of the regular season. It's the fewest in Major really? League Baseball history. Huh. History. I did not see that. Yo, Jim, For the uh, final four teams. Passon broke his back. Do you yeah. know that? Suffered a bad injury, yeah. yeah he, had like a, he had like a tree fall on him. Yeah, it's a horrifying thing. I did, He's like, yeah. I haven't been, I haven't been writing and reporting for the last two months because I broke my back. Selfishly, it's probably a good injury for our industry. You know, it makes us look a little tougher. Oh, I was gonna say just because we sit around. Sure. <laughs> yeah, because because we don't dig a ditch. And We're eat. not into manual labor at all. And bitch and moan about what the media food looks like. But, in the uh, by the way, the Russ box. Wilson, listen to this. Just and we got to move on. Dead cap money. If they were to cut him after this year, the dead cap would be 107 million. Yeah, I mean it's yeah. KB 107 after next year, 85 in 2025. If they wanted to walk away from him, it would be it would be almost 50 mil to walk away from him. Dead cap money. The definition <laughs> of all chips in and it not working out whatsoever. Again, Colts and Jacks coming up Sunday at one. Our coverage will begin. At 10 a.m. as we sit here on this Friday morning, Andy, that's a pretty good-looking Colts injury report, uh, all things considered. Obviously, no Anthony Richardson, and obviously Dallas Flowers is out for the year. But there's a chance you're going to have 20 of 22 starters available. Uh, it looks like your offensive line will be intact, and that is the first time since the start of Week 2 that you'll have that five-man group. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Back there. Um, and a couple things I'm curious about. One is, okay, stylistically, what looks different? You know, I think a lot of this is going to be timing. I think a lot of it is... Gardner Minshew delivers balls on target, and you go make the play after the catch. Get Michael Pittman on a crosser. Get Jonathan Taylor in open space on crossers and screens, etc. Like that. Um, and then this kind of goes back to week one, where you know I think the Colts were probably a bigger long shot in week one. And for me, it was all about your defensive line. And so much of that, I think, is still here in week six. A lot has changed, personnel-wise, for the Colts since these two teams met a month ago. But the root of it is still there. Jacksonville, in my opinion, is one of the better teams in the league with their quarterback, running back, wide receiver combos. The Colts struggle in defending the perimeter of the field. Okay, so if that's going to be a negative, where can you create a positive? It's got to be your D-line. So your D-line's got to win. Jacksonville a little bit banged up on their O-line. So if your D-line can, again, set the tone, uh, which I think for the most part it's done that. They've had a few quieter moments here as of late, but for the most part it's done that. Sounds like Quiddy Pay will be back. Outside of the then Rams I think game, you could right? make some competitive I mean, fourth outside quarter Outside of moments. the Rams game. Yeah, don't thought, you kind of feel? I mean, there's I been. Po- second half Tennessee, you know, there were some moments where I was like, man, sure. Tannehill is finding Hopkins a lot, and some of that's you aren't disrupting enough up front. Because, again, Andy. He's a statue. I look at your two rookie quarterback cornerbacks and think, I know they're going to struggle. So your front has got to do the heavy lifting. On that end, I know it puts more on the plate of that front, but again, I think you've invested enough up there. So, um, huge one, obviously, on on Sunday when you talk about two, three, and two teams and the magnitude of this one in terms of the AFC South. Okay, so I sit here. So Mark Dykton, who's all sick and who's, by the way, going to be what out next week? He's going to Disney with three kids and perhaps in laws. So that's not a vacation uh, for. <laughs> 
our guy Mark. I'm sick just he, thinking about that. He texted us, and I did not text him back. I saw it too late. A lot going on yesterday. What's your prediction? And I will not say your prediction, but your prediction was basically my prediction for the game on Sunday. Since then, and this is the first time and now over a month here that we've been picking Indianapolis Colts games, I may go back on my initial pick here. Whoa. I, I, I sit here. What has and, changed? And that would be going from Jacksonville winning to the Colts winning. This is a game more so than others. It doesn't mean my predictions have been right. Some have been right and You've some have so been wrong. You've looked so pictures okay? of Gardner Minshew that I, you no, can't get enough? Listen, I don't know. I just, I don't know what it is. To me, the Jacksonville win over Buffalo just had a lot to do with the location of the game. It's how I feel. And Buffalo, you know, Milano gets injured during the game. I guess what I'm trying to say is over the next two hours, Hours here, two and a half hours. I got to figure out who's going to win today, uh, who's going to win Sunday's game. This game confuses me. Like, like are the Colts, are they going to be downtrodden at all that they know AR is not going to be around? And, and you know, he's not going to be in the game. They are, and then the flip side, they are as healthy, you mentioned it, as they've been. The Minshew factor. I mean, part of me feels like he's going to take care of the ball and he's going to do what he does. Part of me feels like he's going to make those one or two mistakes that ultimately leads to, you know, seven points, ten points, whatever it is for Jacksonville, and they end up winning. I am, and then on top of it, and I know we'll dive into this deeper at 7.30, you have the entire, what is Shane Sykin going to do with Jonathan Taylor? What's he going to do with JT? How many touches? How many reps? Do they use him? Do they use him as a decoy? Uh, do they use he and Zach Moss together in the backfield? What wrinkles does Shane Steichen have that can, you know, maybe surprise Jacksonville and get some freebie points? I, I don't know. There's this in, in Jacksonville until that game went final in London against Buffalo. I had very little respect for what Jacksonville at two and two had accomplished. I thought they were kind of one of the more, you know, kind of kind of whatever disappointing teams. I am, this is one where I probably feel like Jacksonville's going to win, but man, the last 24 hours, for some reason, Colts close is starting to pull at me a little bit, and, and I just, and, and you know, listen, I mean, the Colts are solid, and they're healthy other places, offensive line, defensive line. two-week London hangover? I think some I don't Jacksonville know I, fans are worried about yeah, that. Yeah, I, I don't know if I believe First that. time in NFL history we've seen a team go back-to-back internationally yeah. and then come back and play in the States. It, I, I guess that's kind of... Kind of the reverse of, of oh, that the would Buffalo be, thought, be, right? It would be a good thing for the Colts. I mean, yeah, sure. If it helps them just a little bit, helps them 2% in the game. I don't know. I just and Jacksonville I, also plays Thursday night coming up. Yeah. So it, I, I hate to be wishy-washy, but I sit here today at 7-13, and I'm a little like conflicted on what I think is going to happen. And the big wild card is what they do with Jonathan Taylor. It is. He's yeah, a superstar I, I player. I'm too conflicted on what how I see Sunday playing out. Um, you know, to, to the Taylor point, you know, when you talk about what you're losing in Anthony Richardson from a run game standpoint, I know it's kind of an extinct package to a degree in the NFL, but I am curious if you're trying to still create like a dual threat nature to your running back, do you put those two back there together? Uh, I do. do. Do you wildcat it? I, 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 I know those are things that maybe yeah, might do something, man. sounds a little like video game like, but that is a missing ingredient with Gardner Minshew that I'm curious how you try and replicate that coming up. On Sunday, we will also lay the land for college football this weekend. Andy has acknowledged <laughs> a heavy amount of Notre Dame fandom on my body here, <laughs> as Marcus Freeman has quite a big one tomorrow night in South Bend. I do like the green, though. 
Thank you. I, I like that shade of green. It's a good one. Noon kickoffs for Purdue and Indiana. We've talked about the Indiana line. That is at 33 Oof. against Michigan. Purdue 19 and a half point underdog at home against Ohio State. Home hasn't been too, too kind to Ryan Mm-mm. Walters Mm-mm. this season, but Purdue's actually played Ohio State pretty well, particularly at Ross-Aid. So uh, we'll see how Ohio State reacts to a bit of a struggle with Maryland for a couple of quarters there before they pulled away. And obviously Purdue losing to Iowa last week at Kinnick Stadium. So a lot to unpack here on this Friday. Again, I am Kevin Bowen. He is Andy Sweeney. Thank you to Elijah for filling in today from Mark Dykton on this Friday. We'll set the scene for a busy, busy football weekend here on Friday the 13th. You are listening to The Wake Up Call with KB and Andy right here on 93.5, 107.5. It's The Wake Up Call with KB and Andy on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. The uh, the music choices between Elijah and Mark Dykton. Yeah, uh-huh. R- rather opposite. I mean, I mean, Elijah's got like love music here. What is this? Elijah's like Titanic a, or something. Elijah's is, uh, a bit of an old soul. Unanswered <laughs> dreams by the the uh, 1990s emo <laughs> punk band Jejun. Now, Elijah, is there any significance? Is this a message to Greg Reichstraw at all? Yes, he is so good <laughs> that I regret not talking to him more when I produce for him. Well, you did call him Rake Straw when you called him. Not even, not even not Greg. Even you just, you just went with Rake Straw. Not Rake, not Greg. None of the things that he goes by, which I appreciate. They're on those terms, maybe. <laughs> maybe they are. Yeah, today's the emo day. I want it to be all emo day on this Friday. Uh, Mark usually would have Slipknot to uh, to welcome Greg Rake Straw <laughs> to the show. Well, let's get Rake in here on the Payless Liquors Hotline on this Football Friday on the Fan. Uh, you'll obviously hear him after the uh, Colts and. Jags on Sunday. Greg, or as he said, Rake Straw, good afternoon or good morning. How are you today, sir? How's everything going? Let, let me give him a <laughs> give you guys a reason why he says that. So he and I often converse when I call Bob Lovell on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. And usually when I call that show for whatever reason, I go, Hey, it's Rake Straw here. How you doing? So he is used to hearing me say that. So he gets a free pass to go straight last name. It's okay. I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, Well, let's start here. Uh, The elation in the win. How did that feel? Obviously, a jubilous uh, post-game show after the Colts beat the Titans, but I guess also kind of a dark cloud, the AR injury. When you saw him go down holding his right shoulder, what did you think? And then obviously the first part of that, the elation of such a big win and stopping a couple different streaks by getting to win over the Titans and getting to win finally and Lucas Oil on Sunday? You know, it was a lot to digest, and, and it was far more positive. And I think that leads to the overarching winning is the ultimate deodorant. Winning is the thing that cures all ills. And I think that there has been a, a bit of a, almost kind of a recalibration, um, you know, of, of clearly what's expected for this team, but I think for the outlook for fans as well. I think all of us were kind of so conditioned to say, hey, this is going to be a developmental year. This is all going to be about the progress of Anthony Richardson. You know, don't get caught up in the in the wins and losses as much. Let's just talk about how number five progresses. That was kind of the general outlook on September the 1st. Now they're back to the middle of October. It is, holy crap, this team might win the division. They might be a playoff team. And that is with Anthony Richardson, 
potentially not factoring into it. Now, if the next four, five, six weeks don't go that well, if, you know, Gardner Minshew, because teams now will completely scout for him, and I heard this being talked about yesterday, um, I, and I think it was Kevin that was saying, I want to make sure I, I give the proper attribution. If the running game changes because you don't have Anthony Richardson back there and you can much more key on the tailback, knowing that Minshew's not going to be a guy he can continue plays with his feet, so you're not going to call design run plays. For and, and if this team kind of gets stagnant, then you can be kind of down in the dumps about an Anthony Richardson injury. But if this team is winning and continuing to win – I think that is going to be the overwhelming emotion that you go, man, yeah, it's a bummer that Anthony Richardson's not playing. Yeah, we're going to get a chance to see as much of him this year as possible, but isn't first place great? Winning is the ultimate deodorant. Winning is the ultimate thing you are striving for. And clearly there might have been a few more pieces in place here than maybe some of us gave this team credit for going into the season. Rick, I want to make sure that we do hit on um, high school football coming up the last week of the regular season. I know Mother Nature could impact some things tonight, so we'll do that here in just a sec. But to stick with the Colts, yesterday I, I was speaking with a, a guy that you might say was the best acquisition this team had in the offseason. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. And who do you think I'm talking about? <laughs> and, and, and to be fair, it probably falls in more of the under-the-radar category. All right, so 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 you're you're saying it's not Matt Gay is what you're talking about? It is not Matt Gay. It is not Anthony Richardson. It's a coach, it is, isn't it? It's is not Shane Steichen. Is it a coach? Would it would it be Josh Downs? It would be offensive line coach Tony Sperano Jr. Um, I, maybe it's too much credit. Maybe it's not. Um, I think this time last year, Rake, as the season started to unravel, it was like, how long is Chris Strasser going to keep his job, the offensive line coach? And he kept it uh, amidst the Marcus Brady, amidst the Frank Reich, amidst the benching of you know random quarterbacks. And all of a sudden, you really didn't do anything. Now, I, I think personnel-wise, Bernard Ryman from October 13th last year to October 13th this year is a much different presence at left tackle. Sure. But for, you know they've kept their same starting five from last season. And it's it's interesting, Rake. I don't know if you've listened to Sperano yet, but basically, how he and the offensive linemen have talked, it's almost like a we just needed to come together a little bit more. It, it it's like almost like an off the field sort of bonding experience, which I know probably plays into a little bit on the field. It's just interesting how they have talked about their offensive line improvement because it's not very personnel driven. And I do think Tony Sperano Jr. You have to give him credit for certainly being a part of that. And the funny thing is, KB, is that because there were so many other issues this team had to fix, that's the one that we all just kind of said in talking about him. Not that, hey, you know, they'll just figure it out. It was more along the lines of they're going to have to figure it out. In other words, you had to fix quarterback. You brought in two options to do that. Uh, You needed help at cornerback. You drafted a local kid in the second round. You needed more help at wide receiver. That's your third-round pick. He's looked really good. You didn't address offensive line in terms of any depth piece until you got to day three of the draft, and that was you know multiple picks. And obviously, we've seen Blake Freeland each of the last two weeks. 
But like every conversation we had about the offensive line through September was, they better figure it out. <laughs> and, and and clearly they have. And so that was the hope was that if you could keep the group together, there were enough good pieces there. If you change the voice that was talking to them, that may click. And it clearly that has been the case. And that has been such a welcome change for the Indianapolis Colts. And again, I think the presence of Steichen, obviously not having statues at quarterback, Bernard Ryman being a definite left tackle piece, whereas you were just in full-on scramble slash baptism by fire last year at that position with him. I think all of that helps. But, you know, I was skeptical when they hired Sperano, thinking this dude hasn't even coached a position group in the NFL. He had just been assistant coach. So I wanted to make sure that I that I snuck that in there. Greg Gregstrow with us, Payless Liquors Hotline on this football Friday. Friday on the fan. Uh, one thing I'm super interested in, Rake, to see on Sunday is, you know, the emergence, more reps, more touches to Jonathan Taylor. I mean, it's going to be, you know, we talk offensive line, keeping Minshew uh, clean and healthy and getting Moss out there, who has been one of the MVPs, obviously, of this team. Uh, what are you hoping to see? What do you think we'll see as they expand the role of a now healthy Jonathan Taylor? A successful running game. And I don't care who touches the ball. Yeah, you're going to get Jonathan Taylor more carries. I mean, basically, when he was in there last week, the ball was going to him. So I'm sure that you guys have snap counts. I know it was seven touches that Jonathan Taylor had. I'm not sure his snap count was more than seven last week. It was, it was pretty ten. close to Was it, it ten? Yeah, it was uh, ten. ten. There you go. So three times he was on the field, the ball didn't go his way. Um, is his snap count going to go up? Yes. Are his touches going to go up? Yes. But you also don't mess with a heater. You don't mess with winning. Agreed. And Zach Moss is crushing it. I mean, he's, what, third or fourth in the league in rushing and didn't play in the first game? He's basically 20, 30-ish yards away from having his best rushing season in his previous you know, three years, now four-year NFL career. Um, keep feeding him the ball. Yeah, I want to see Jonathan Taylor more, but don't mess with winning. Zach Moss, in the games he has played, you are 3-1, and one, and the other one you lost in overtime because you spotted the other team a 23 nothing lead. Keep giving him the ball. If you can give Jonathan Taylor the ball more as well, great. But make sure you're not taking away from number 21 because that dude's been awesome. Rake, did I see it again? Greg, Rake, Rake, Greg Rakestraw, easy for me to say. IFC Sports Network, obviously Colts postgame show host. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. He'll have some Friday night football coverage for you. Uh, I guess, Rake, two questions. One, where are you at tonight? B, uh, is Mother Nature impacting a lot tonight? Because I could have sworn I saw Ben Davis maybe bump their kickoff time up a little. They did. Ben Davis moved their kickoff time to 5.30. Um, our game is going to stay at 7. So Pike and Lawrence North is the game that I've got. There's another game I think I saw North Putt's going to move their game up to 6.30. Um, so it, depending on the forecast, it's either going to be rain or storms. Rain you don't care so much about. Storms, obviously, it's a big deal. Um, and, and for some of these teams, hey, there's a conference championship on the line. you got to make sure the game gets in. Uh, and especially for the schools that are 4A and under, what you don't want to do is have to come back tomorrow and, and finish because then your postseason kicks in next Friday. It's a little bit different for the 5As and 6As. Those guys are all off next week. They have the bye, uh, and so maybe you don't feel that same kind of pressure. Um, let's face it, you know, other than week two, 
where you can pretty much fry an egg on the field. Uh, <laughs> the, the weather has been phenomenal uh, this year. It's not been overly hot. We've not had to deal with rain. And so, frankly, we were due uh, to, to kind of hit this at some point in time. So, uh, hopefully we can get things in before kind of storms kick in. And, again, hopefully it's more rain than storms you know, because we'll play through that. As far as, 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 as my game, Pike and Lawrence North is my game on ISC and TV23 as well as the IHSA Champions Network. As far as the obvious big games locally, Cathedral Center Grove, again, still one of the biggest games in the state. I don't think it's as big as it's been the last couple of years. Brownsburg HSC, the game obviously I know that is going to be carried on the fan uh, tonight. That is a phenomenal game uh, as Brownsburg looks to make it a, a clean sweep and stay 9-0 and and go through what is clearly the best league in the state this year, undefeated. That is quite the accomplishment. I will see Brownsburg in two weeks when they visit Ben Davis to open up the section. That's the game that I will have. Um, elsewhere, uh, Hamilton Heights is undefeated. They go to West Lafayette. That's for that league's championship, the Hoosier Conference Championship. And the other game I'll point out is Chittard and Cincinnati Elder. And again, Chittard is the clear favorite in 3A, and that is a that is a, a great test for them going into the postseason. Only issue for Chittard is they've got like three or four, they got two other undefeated teams in their sectional and Garing Catholic who played them to a six-point game. You like the test. I love the fact they've got that game on the schedule. You worry about getting guys beat up going to the postseason uh, is the only kind of concern you have, and especially that's what's different in 1A through 4A. You flush this one immediately. You're thinking about the postseason. For the 5A, 6A guys, you can kind of recalibrate a little bit knowing that your postseason run doesn't start until October the 27th. Rick, I don't know if this is an annual conversation, and maybe this year's pairings brought it a little bit more to light, but you bring up like Chittard's loaded sectional. You bring up, you know, maybe Ben Davis Brownsburg as a sectional opener, uh, Bloomington North, Bloomington South, two teams that are clearly favorites in their respective class. It, I guess, why don't we see the sectional? Should we see the sectional? Well, there are two different conversations. Really, there are kind of three different conversations here. One, do you not do the sectionals based on geographic pairing? And, and you know, when, when, you have, when you're trying to save teams mileage and money, and frankly, uh, with six different classes, there are some sectionals where there are some drives of 70, 80, 90 miles. But it's still the eight closest teams in the same classification to each other. And so that, that, that is question number one. Because if you're if if, if we're doing this to, to save money and understandably so, you have some situations where, like in Chittard's case, three or four of the best teams in the state in in in, in that class are going to be right in that same group. Um, the, I'll give you an example of a different sport: the soccer sectional that Garen Brebuff and Chittard are all in. Again, they're all in close proximity. They're rated one, two, three in the state in two A this year. Hamilton County, we talk about it every year in, in 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 soccer and volleyball and basketball. It's just baseball. It's just hey, you're all in close proximity to each other, and you're all really good. But if we're gonna if we're gonna do sectionals based on geography, and that's been the way it's done since like the beginning of time. That then this is gonna happen. All right, two. Now when it comes to potentially seating a sectional. I think it's a different conversation in 5A and 6A, again, versus 1, 2, 3, and 4. If you're talking about seeding a sectional in 5A, you're basically saying, hey, instead of playing this team in week one, you're going to play them in week number two. At some point, Wilmington South and Wilmington North were going to play each other. Well, now you're actually giving those teams two weeks to prepare 
to play each other in this scenario. The same thing holds true for Ben Davis and Brownsburg. Again, number one and number three in the state in 6A. Um, you're going to play each other on the 27th or the 4th. Perhaps it's a different conversation. We're talking about a, an 18 sectional or a 17 sectional like you would have in the lower classifications. That's a little bit different where instead of seeing the best team in your sectional in week number one, perhaps you're talking about doing that in, in week number three of the championship on November the 3rd. So, so there's a lot of different conversations to have. If there is going to be change, this will be driven from the Coaches Association. That is the case in every sport. And it really will have to come from, in this case, the IFCA really going to the IHSA and saying, hey, we need to do something about this. And for schools or fans that say, hey, this needs to be fixed, you've got other members of that section will go, hey, this is great. And their vote counts just as much as, 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 the, as the schools that want it changed. So if there is going to be a policy change at some point on this, it's not going to come from, from, from fans, media, et cetera. It has to come from the IFCA or the Coaches Association. It's simply the way it works in Indiana high school sports. Rake, last one. Appreciate your time, as always, on this Friday morning. You wear so many different hats, and this is probably a hat that you wear mostly for one month out of the year. But yesterday, some big news over at IMS with Kyle Larson, obviously from NASCAR, passing his rookie orientation for next year's Indianapolis 500. On the you know, Kurt Busch, Danica, Fernando Alonso scale, where do you think a Kyle Larson presence will rank come next May? Um, I think it will be a big deal. It will it will be it will be a, a bigger deal than Kurt Busch when he was here. It will be a bigger deal in this country than Fernando Alonso. It will not be the 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 big event globally that it was when it was Fernando Alonso. Um, since 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 you quizzed me on on Tony Sperano <laughs> Jr., I will quiz you guys. Uh oh. Do you know the single piece of video that that I'm attached to that is the most watched clip I have on YouTube? Oh my gosh! <laughs> is it a Fernando Alonso like practice interview or or by I don't know him turning laps in practice? I remember. That whole like Alonzo alone on the track at IMS was like watched by millions. So uh, you are very good at picking up contextual clues. <laughs> there was a four-year stretch where I was the voice of the international feed on the qualifications. Whoa! And does, so does this mean you speak in other languages? Or are you English for this? Um, see, so um, <laughs> I was doing this this one in English. But we were the feed that was sent to like YouTube and and things like that, and so because and the graphics were in kilometers per hour, and I was of course giving miles per hour because I have no, it's like 378. I have no idea what that means. But um, it was it was my voice that was on that for four years, and one of those was Fernando Alonso's first year driving the 29 uh, for Andretti Autosport, and the views of that are in the hundreds of thousands. Um, that that because that, that level of interest of him coming here to run up the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, it will it will be a big deal. It's not a pop culture phenomenon, but it's a big deal in the racing community, and hopefully that opens up the gates for more people trying to do exactly what Kyle Larson is going to do. Yeah, I think that's pretty well said. All right, Rake, stay dry. Uh, enjoy the call tonight, Ellen and Pike. Correct. 
You got it. 7 o'clock on MyIndyTV and ISC TV as well. All right, 9 o'clock hour. Let's go. Matt Taylor going to join us in just a second. Reminder, Colts, Jags, all of that Sunday coverage beginning at 10 a.m. Pre-game, game, post-game. It's all right here on the fan. It's a huge, huge matchup uh, in the AFC South, and it's Colts and Jags, and it's right here, and we're hanging out in the drivehubler.com studios. All right, let's get Mayte up here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Matt Taylor joins us each and every Friday here on a football Friday in the 9 o'clock hour matt good morning how are you today sir i'm doing well what's going on uh i don't know man we're doing good elijah's a little panicked right now he's filling in for mark dykton today he's a little panicked which i like got to scramble in the pocket sometimes he's good. you know he's been he's called good. out of the bullpen yeah in a way i guess a little gardner Minshew like uh, <laughs> matt i think this is about as big as you get for week six i don't know if that's hyperbole but um boy i was thinking about it you know, if you win this, you split the head-to-head tiebreaker, divisional records heavily in your favor. I, I know it's October 13th, but, man, I, I just think this one is uh, is a huge, huge game when you're talking AFC South potential, playoff potential. No, you're right. I mean, today is Friday the 13th, by the way. Don't don't forget that. <laughs> don't sleep on that little nugget, right? So weird, weird stuff can happen, and uh, hopefully weird stuff leads into the weekend with the Colts actually getting a win on the road against the Jaguars, man. I know these guys in the locker room are really tired of, of hearing about it and being asked about it, but you know what? It's it's going to be there until you do something about it, and I think you're exactly right. I think the Colts in this game, they've got to play with the same edge, the same fire, the same you know sort of chip on their shoulder uh, on Sunday as they did last Sunday against the Tennessee Titans. And, you know, in that first game – following the two-game winning streak, right? You beat Houston, you beat Baltimore, you come back at home, you play a Rams team that's, you know, really, I think, just just beatable. You know, like, I, I, nothing against the Rams. Yeah, I think they're a good team, but, you know, that, that was a home game. It was a very winnable game, and the Colts, you know, started slow. They got down big, right? 23 to nothing, seven minutes to go in the third quarter before they kind of caught fire. Now they've tasted some success, getting a little bit of a monkey off their shoulders uh, last week with that win against Tennessee, can you come back and play with that same fire against a division team? And to your point, Kevin, you're exactly right. I mean, after Sunday, the Colts will not get back into AFC South play until, what is it, December 3rd? Yeah, the, the Titans. Yeah. Titans. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that is a long time, and, and you're going to have two-thirds of your AFC South schedule in the books. And if you win this game, you're 3-1 and one in the division. You're 4-2 and two in first place. I know there's a long way to go. But Tennessee, or excuse me, Jacksonville would have two losses in the division. You would only have one. You would split the season series. You would erase this this horrible streak down there. I just think this is a a, a not a must win game, but a really pivotal game for the Colts in Week Six. It's a shame that the, this series is over before November for the second year in a row. But that's the way it goes, and that makes this game for the Colts, I think, a, a game that should need a high degree of urgency going into Sunday. So as you just pointed out, I mean, these teams met a month ago. Typically, you know, maybe not a ton has changed, but really a lot has changed from that first meeting, particularly with the Colts. Um, If I boil it down to the three things where I think it's changed the most, Matt, obviously the quarterback, Richardson, is not going to be the starter. It'll be Minshew. Certainly the running backs look a whole lot different from Zach Boss and Jonathan Taylor compared to Deion Jackson, you know, Evan Hull and Jake Funk. And then corner-wise, you've kind of gone from youth to other youth with Dallas Flowers 
and Daryl Baker Jr. not in the lineup, and uh, now Juju Brents and Jalen Jones. Of those three, where do you think it'll be felt the biggest on Sunday? I just think overall scheme for the Colts on offense. I mean, I think that's just going to be the biggest thing. You know, it's it's just that, you know, Gardner Minshew is, is starting, and he's not coming in off the bench. He's not coming out of the bullpen. The Jaguars are going to have the full week to prepare for the Colts in terms of their plays and their schemes and what Gardner Minshew's strengths are. That, that That's the biggest thing for them defensively is, is getting ready for this game, knowing, in fact, it's going to be Minshew instead of, you know, Minshew coming in and, and taking advantage of kind of the, you know, the unknown or kind of that scramble in terms of the playbook when some of these defenses have to face him. It's like, all right, well, let's let's go to the Minshew page real quick. And meanwhile, he's throwing – you know, he's, he's completing 80% of his passes against you while you try to get up to speed. Um, I think, you know, out, out of those three, I think Minshew's, um, his presence is going to be the biggest difference. But I just think, I think just mentality-wise and, and just overall comfort and confidence, this offensive line is a completely different unit than the one that opened the season for the Colts. You know, Colts in that first game, they only had 65 yards rushing, 40 of those came from Anthony Richardson. We know he's not going to play. Zach Moss and, and Jonathan Taylor are both going to be active in this game. Neither guy played in week number one. Um, you know, the, the, the Jaguars are going to do what they do, and that's play that bare front, that double sink front. And I think the Colts this go around are much more, you know, equipped and schematically um, able to, to take advantage of that or deal with that, you know, this go around. Uh, than they did in that first game. So um, you, you got to slow down that passing game for the Jaguars. There's no doubt about that. I, I've said all week I think they have maybe the most diverse passing attack in the NFL with those three wide receivers. Ingram, who's a really good yards after the catch tight end. Um, a really, you know, I don't even classify him a tight end because of all the things they can do with him, splitting him out in the formation you know, creating uh, or taking advantage of mismatches in terms of the personnel. ETN can catch the ball out of the backfield. So you're right. It's going to be a big test for Brent. It's going to be a big test for Jalen Jones. Um, I don't know if the Colts can look any more different, quite honestly, with you uh, than, than they did five weeks ago. I think it's kind of a different team, a different team with a different personality and mindset, and I think most importantly confidence from, from game one to game five. Um, you know, this, this, I think the Colts, I think, actually match up better on paper this go-around with the Jaguars than they did in week one, and I think that should give you confidence because the Colts should have won that first game. They were up by four with four or uh, six minutes to go in the fourth quarter, and they went from up four to down ten in the blink of an eye. That's a game I think they feel like they should have won, and, and again, I think they have more confidence and, and you know, kind of better personnel around them uh, going into this game on Sunday. Listen, Matt, I'm agreeing with a lot. I'm shaking my head. I'm agreeing with a lot of the things you're saying. Matt Taylor on the uh, Payless Liquors Hotline. He's the voice of the Indianapolis Colts. Again, our coverage on Sunday beginning at 10 a.m. Yeah, it felt like week one, there was almost a, because everyone was like ready for this team not to win any games, and it was the first time we saw Anthony Richardson, and we finally kind of got some of the Jonathan Taylor stuff out of the way, that there was a smidge of moral victory Monday when we came in here on Monday. I don't think that's going to be the case this time around going to Jacksonville and nothing is more different than the addition of Jonathan Taylor and right now third in total rushing yards Zach Moss as well that offensive line for the Colts is healthy Uh, Jonathan Taylor you would imagine Shane Steichen will do some creative things with him he'll get more touches and then Zach Moss has been 
obviously one of the MVPs. What are you looking forward to seeing uh, with this run game? Now, it's different. No AR. Some of those read options are going to be a lot different. But nonetheless, Moss, Jonathan Taylor, two top-level running backs, not what you had the first time around five weeks ago. No, you're exactly right. And and for Jonathan Taylor, I, I expect, you know, he'll he'll go up in terms of workload and participation. I don't know if it's gonna go from, from ten snaps last week to, you know, playing eighty percent of the snaps that, that Zach Moss has received the last four weeks. Um and, and nor should it to be quite honest with you. And and I and I, I I mean that or I say that in the sense that that's just my my confidence and that's my reward for Zach Moss, and you take nothing away from Jonathan Taylor as he continues to ramp up. He's probably not there just yet. He will eventually get there, and then we'll have to just, you know, discuss maybe in three or four weeks you know, how this split of the pie in the running game is going to go. But I don't care right now if it's Jonathan Taylor who belongs in an elite bucket. I don't care if it's him. I don't care if it's Emmett Smith back in the day <laughs> or, or you know, Jim Brown. I don't care. I mean, how do you take carries away right now from Zach Moss, because all he's done since he's been here, if you go back to the seven games that he has started for the Colts, dating back to last season, the dude's averaging 99 rushing yards per game. Like He's done everything that you've wanted him to do. He's been a great teammate, a great guy, a great leader. He comes in the middle of the season last year, you know, mid, mid-season in a trade, and he just goes to work, and he, and he grinds. And he's third in the NFL this year in rushing yards, and he freaking missed a game. Yeah, like how do you how do you take carries away right now from Jonathan Taylor, or excuse me, from from Zach Moss, even with Taylor being healthy? And you know, I go back to what Shane Steichen said at the beginning of the season: we're going to ride the hot hand. And it's great right now that you've got two backs that can potentially get hot really quick. But my point is, I don't think Zach Moss should be demoted just because Jonathan Taylor is here. Taylor's going to have to earn those reps, uh, you know, get up to speed, get acclimated again within this offense. That that eventually is going to come, but I just think Zach Moss should be given the first right of refusal to get hot that day, which he has shown that he can do. I mean, career high, buck 65 and two touchdowns last week against the best rushing defense in the NFL. You've got to continue to reward that. And you've got to continue to say to your locker room, if you come in and you bust your tail and you produce and you're a great guy in the locker room and you do everything that we ask, you're going to continue to get rewarded in terms of, of a role and production. That's kind of where I'm at with, with Zach Moss. But eventually that uh, this is inevitably going to evolve and we're going to be talking more about this, I think, in a couple of weeks in terms of Taylor coming back to that 2021 form, which, again, I think he's inevitably going to – to reach at some point this season. Yeah, just looking at the numbers, and Matt Taylor with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline here on the Fan on a Football Friday. Zach Moss, there's a good chance, especially if he can, you know, he gets some good run, which we all expect that to be the case on Sunday, that he's second in the NFL in rushing behind McCaffrey. That is absolutely on the table. The only thing that would keep him third is if obviously Moss doesn't, you know, play nearly as much, or if DeAndre Swift in Philadelphia has a big game and could potentially move ahead of Moss if JT gets 
gets uh, a lot of work. I just just quickly for you getting ready for a broadcast. You're ready. You're, you know, you're prepping for a broadcast. The JT news breaks on Saturday, and then Anthony Richardson injured in the middle of the game again uh, in the second quarter. How does that go down uh, for a play-by-play guy when you know you know Jonathan Taylor gets his deal, so you sure know as hell he's going to play right on Sunday. You know he's going to be part of the game plan, and then you've kind of done the AR goes down and Minshew comes in the game and kind of saves things yet again. Right, yes. Yeah, Saturday was a little bit busy around, you know, 12, 30, 1 o'clock. Just like everybody else, you know, he gets activated off of PUP, which, you know, I, I fully expected to happen. I know everybody else did as well. But then I wasn't expecting, you know, three, four minutes later, boom, bam, there you go. Right. Three-year deal or whatever it ended up being. Jonathan Taylor's got an extension. He's with the Colts uh, up until at least, you know, through 2026. I was not ready for that. So got kicked into to gear in terms of the work mode. It was, you know, it, it, this is kind of a personal anecdote. I was actually down the street at a park with my kids on the jungle gym going down the slide. Get a, get the, Good da, for da, da, you. Da, da, da. I was yeah, laying mulch you know, down. I was do, I was mulching, uh, you know, a flower bed of the house I just moved into when my phone went off. Taylor going down the slide there. <laughs> Come on now, you know. So you're you're just in full dad mode, trying to take advantage of those. How many times you get players. shocked going down the slide? <laughs> oh man, that shocking you know, hurt. Oh. Beautiful fall afternoon, and then boom, you know, you're you're thrusted back into you know grinding in front of the laptop, which is you know that's such as life, I suppose, in in the NFL when when things happen at a moment's notice. But uh, yeah, and, and, you know, then in the middle of the game when Richardson goes down. You know, it's just like, all right, you've got all this prep material for, for the Colts and, and for Richardson, and then you just go back to, um, you know, whatever it was two weeks ago before that with the, with the Baltimore game. You go right back to those Ravens notes that included Gardner <laughs> Minshew in them. Right. And it's just it's plug and play, grip and rip, and, and that's it's sort of the same mindset that Minshew has when he comes into these games. So, you know, that, that's, that's life, I suppose, uh, as an NFL guy. got to be – or a play-by-play guy, got to be ready for for anything and everything at a moment's notice. Got any rooting interest in these final four baseball teams? <clears throat> no, I, I don't. I don't. I mean, the, the the Braves and the Phillies, you know, series was just absolutely electric. I wish I could, you know, take part in those more because I'm I just sort of have those games on in the background at night during the week, you know, doing doing game prep. But you know, having having those on and, and watching those kind of. Here and there, I mean, just that 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 scene in, in Philadelphia was just absolutely electric last night, and then the the double play walk off, uh, you know that 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 game against in 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 um, Atlanta, I should say, when the Braves won, that was just simply amazing baseball. But no, I don't don't have any rooting interest for these uh, last couple of series. Just rooting for good baseball, and I want baseball to be around as as long as possible. Just because you know, as soon as it's it's over. It kind of sets in, like, all right, we're not going to have baseball until, you know, March of next year, spring training, and then Red's misery kicks in all over again.